Hey guys, how's it going? Thank you for joining me again for this video today. My name is Dr. Tom LaHue and I want to welcome you to my channel. And uh, before we get started today on the uh, video, I just want to remind you of in the description below is a link to my website. I do offer coaching appointments, Enneagram coaching appointments, and uh, those are filling up fast. So I know we're a couple weeks out on appointments, um, but I'd love to connect with you if you need help or you want to talk about your type or being healthy or your relationships or whatever I can do to help you, I am available. Also, um, want to, uh, if you haven't uh, heard yet, um, we're going to be starting a certificate program. It's a short six-week program designed to uh, help you learn to do what I do, uh, coaching people using the Enneagram. I have tons of videos on this channel. Um, and I'm going to continue to make more about the content of the Enneagram, but uh, we want to be able to use it in helping people see their blind spots and um, develop a, a direction of growth and uh, relate better to the people in their life in a more healthy way, be more present to life. And if you're interested in helping people or you're already in a helping uh, profession and you would like to, um, to see how the Enneagram can be useful, in, um, in, in helping people uh, be more than, uh, than maybe they, they've accepted in life, uh, I would love for you to join us um, uh, on our certificate program. Uh, the information uh, is down below. Just click on my website and, uh, and at the top of my website, click the certificate program and uh, we are, uh, we're limiting the, 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 the Zoom class size to 10 students for each of these cohorts. And there's a couple of start dates there, and I'd love to uh, I'd love to have you in that group. And I'll be doing that myself over Zoom. And uh, so, like I said, the information is on the website. Thanks to my Patreon Patreon supporters. Uh, I really appreciate your help and your encouragement in keeping this channel um, active. And uh, I really thank you and appreciate your help and your support. Today, I want to talk about um, something that. Um, um, that comes from the uh, the intro, the preface of this book by Riso and Hudson, uh, The Wisdom of the Enneagram. This is one of the first books that I purchased when I began studying the Enneagram. You know, um, I went through a ton of books and uh, just tore them up, reading them, highlighting them, um, trying to understand uh, what all this is about, and subsequently started this channel as a means of, of discussing that information. As I was learning, as I was you know, as I continue to learn, I don't know that we'll ever get to the bottom of of wisdom or the bottom of spiritual discipline uh, or the bottom of the enneagram. But but as I as I learn and absorb the information, YouTube became kind of the you guys became kind of the the platform on which to share this information. After all, remember I'm a seven, right? So the enthusiast, I want to learn it, and and then I want to express it. I want to share it. I want I want your life to be inspired and impacted by the information. I don't want it to just sit and you know and rattle around in my head because I'll lose it. You know, I, I, if I don't share it, it'll just rattle around and probably disappear. Um, and now that I've been coaching um, hundreds of appointments, you know, uh, now that I've been coaching people and talking to them one on one, uh, one type after another, I've really developed. Um, you know, a practical understanding of, of, of what the Enneagram looks like lived out in life. And I'm, I'm really growing in that understanding. And it's, it's fascinating to put the book knowledge together with the practical knowledge. 
And, and my focus has always been on, okay, so how does this help us? You know, it's great to have all this information. It's great to open up the books, that, you know, and blow the dust off of them. And, and always on my desk, I have several, several Enneagram books. I've got a shelf full of them. Um, and I'm always, you know, going back and, and reading through these and finding things to think about and talk about. You know, sevens like to keep their mind going. They like to keep their mind, I always say, revving, you know. And, and so I do. I, um, I think it's something healthy. Uh, that and of course as a pastor and as a Christian you know God's Word and and all the books in my library about that but um, I wanted to talk about something that comes from the the opening pages of of this book the wisdom of the Enneagram and I just wanted you know maybe you don't have the book or maybe you bought the book and it's sitting on a shelf or maybe you read it a long time ago and you haven't picked it up since or maybe you'll never read it maybe you don't have access to it and I thought there's some things that he says in the beginning of that book that I think, you know, are really worth thinking about. Really worth, uh, actually, a lot of, I mean, all of the book. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to highlight some things from the from the opening pages. Um, and I wanted to, uh, you know, get you thinking about about these things as well. So I wrote down some notes, and I want to kind of go through these and just, we're just going to talk, okay? So, um. You know, when it comes to spiritual things, and the Enneagram, I think, is a spiritual tool. Some people might argue it's a psychological tool. You know, it's a personality profile. And, and I guess in a way it is all those things. Uh, but the Enneagram, I, I believe, is intended to be designed as a spiritual tool used for spiritual practice. Um, I think it's distinctly, like Richard Rohr says, I think it's distinctly Christian. Um, but other religions or people that just want to turn inward, who may not necessarily ascribe to or give assent to any um, formal religion, could certainly benefit from uh, the wisdom of the Enneagram, what it has to tell us. So it's not limited to any one faith. Uh, it's not limited to people of faith, um, per se. But I think that that tools like the Enneagram and spirituality in um, has been, has been overlooked largely, at least in Western culture. Now, I believe that there is a resurgence of spirituality, okay? Maybe not Christianity in America or in the Western world. I wish, you know, that Christianity was surging through, uh, I don't think that hear me when I say that. I don't wish that Christians were were controlling things. That's not what I'm saying. I wish that people in Western culture were, were reawakened to the wonder and the majesty of the Christian faith. I don't think, I'm not saying I wish Christians were dominating their culture and forcing people to believe like us. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying I wish people would themselves wake up to the truth and to the light, you know, that God's word is and that Christ shows us. And I wish that that was happening. I don't think that's happening in America or in the Western or in Europe, in the Western world. It is happening in other parts of the world. Um, but even though, you know, my particular version of spirituality that I appreciate and love is not surging, I think spirituality 
is something that the Western world is kind of leaning into. I mean, uh, I've got several magazines over here, you know, uh, that I love these Time magazines that don't have any ads in them. And, you know, mindfulness is, is kind of a, a, a new hot word or buzzword among, among self-help, among people that want to, you know, develop and be um, more than they are. Mindfulness is, is a spiritual practice. And so I think even though people might be becoming more and more closed in our culture to religion or dogma or formalized faith, all of that, I get it, okay? There is a warming to spiritual things. And the Enneagram um, helps us, regardless of our particular faith practice, to open us up to more spiritually, whether we're Christians or whether we are, are not. One of the things I think the Enneagram helps us realize is that all of us are driven by a sense of restlessness, okay? Um, sevens in particularly. I mean, that's characteristic of a seven personality type is being restless. But I think all of the personality types have a certain restlessness to them. Um, we may experience this restlessness as a feeling that something's not right, that something's off, that something else is needed, that I'm not being loved correctly, or I don't know myself well enough, or I need to attain something else. And then if I had that, if I could attain that, if I could achieve that, if I could prove myself in this way, or if I could have this experience, boy, then I could rest then I could really be at peace. Then I would be okay. Then I would be full. If I was just known for who I am, if I was just loved correctly, if, if everything was just organized and straightened out, if I could just not have any problems, then I would be able to rest. Um, and people are restless. People are striving. People are chasing People are fighting those that thwart them, that they think are thwarting them. They're anxious about whether they're going to be able to work things out properly, whether they're going to be able to get what they're after, whether they're going to be able to, to have what they want. And we're all striving, restless people. And um, it may be hard for us outside of the Enneagram. It may be hard for us to be able to define what it is that's missing. What is it that's missing? What is it that you need? What is it that you don't have? What is it that you're trying to go after? When will you be able to rest? When will you know it's enough? When will you be done? And that's hard for us to define. It's just that one next thing. You know, once I get that promotion, then life will be great. Once I get once I get get finished with college, then life is going to be great. You know, once we get married, once we're able to get that house, once we're able to get that job, then I'll be able to relax, I'll be able to rest. But it just seems like as soon as we get through that hurdle, you know, then we're presented with another one. We're presented with another one. We're presented with another one. And so rest in a sense, is delayed. Um, we all have the notion that there's something out there that we want. There's something out there that we need. There's something out there that, 
that we should want. Maybe I should want that, but I, I don't know that I do. And if I if I could just get that drive, then I then I would I would be happy. Then I'd be able to show up to life. I could then be satisfied. But we attain it. Um, and then what? Then do we then rest? Then is it then we can able we're able to then relax? You know, if we would slow down long enough and we would reflect for a moment, if we could pause, and there's a sense in which every one of the nine personality types needs to pause. That maybe be another video sometime. But if we could just pause long enough to catch our breath, to become mindful, uh, to be present to life. There's a lot of ways to say that. But if we could just slow down long enough to reflect, um, I think that at the heart of this is we really long to know who we are and what we're here for. Who are we and what are we here for? And you know, the, the disciplines of study that we love don't necessarily address these topics. Science, psychology, um, sociology, you know, they can explain a lot about our makeup and about our universe. Um, but these end up becoming spiritual questions. Who are we? Well, we're flesh and blood. Well, we're bones and we're, you know, we're ligaments. And yeah, scientifically, that's true. And if you get into the world of psychology, it's like, how does our brain operate and our behaviors and are we programmed or, and if you look at sociology and you look at all these other fields of study, they will give us information but they only take us so far. And at the real heart and the real core of who we are as persons, as persons, we long to know who are we? What are we here for? What's our purpose? And every religion, in a sense, attempts to address these questions. Um, and I think even atheism attempts to address these questions. But these are really at the core, at the center our heart, um, this is at the core of what it is we long to know. And realize that in a sense, like everything in our popular culture hinders the pursuit of this information. Everything in our popular culture seeks to distract us away, says, you know what, maybe it's just not something we can know. And why don't you just pick up your phone, order that pizza, download that movie, and just forget about it. Why don't you just get your eyes fixed on purchasing that boat and uh, you know getting that promotion and uh, taking these classes, and then you know just these things you just can't know. And so let's distract ourselves with this stuff that I can sell you. Let's distract ourselves and let's get back on that treadmill and let's, let's uh, not ask and worry about these deep um, things. This is beyond our understanding. And I think every person just needs to find their own light. You know, every person just needs to essentially follow your nose. And people like me, that, that you know, I've got <laughs> a lot of nose to follow. But... The direction, you know, there's an old song I love that you follow, you knows the direction changes every time you turn your head. So what, what do we do with these questions? Um, well, um, you know, just be successful. 
just set a goal and uh, you know try to accomplish that goal. Work hard, be disciplined, do your best, accomplish the goal. In other words, it says, quit worrying about the wall, just keep climbing up the ladder. And a lot of people are climbing up the ladder and they're angry at those that you know are in their way or um, are, are slowing them down and man, they wanna to get to the top of that ladder. But rarely do we ever stop and ask ourselves, is this ladder on the right wall? When I get to the top of this ladder, first of all, how will I know when I get to the top of the ladder? How will I know? And secondly, when I get to the top of the ladder, will I be happy with where I have my destination? Is this really where I wanna be? Is this really what my life was designed to, um, uh, to be lived? When I get to the top of this ladder and I'm standing on the top of that wall, um, will I then um, be satisfied? Will I be on the right wall? And I think a lot of us don't pause long enough to really, we may spend more time planning our vacation this year than uh, we spend thinking about why we're why we're working the job we're working, why we're in the relationships we're in, why we do what we do, and what the meaning of life and who are, who we really essentially are. We may spend more time planning you know, our landscape design for our house than we spend thinking about the landscape of our inner, uh, inner life. And that's unfortunate. And I think, like I said, our culture surrounds us to try to move us away from the internal life and move us to the external life. And so life becomes all about the externals. It becomes all about how we present ourselves. It becomes all about what we attain, what we accomplish, who we know, and how important we are, and, and how many toys we, uh, we have collected. And I think in our core being, we know that life is not about those things. But what is it about? Um, it's difficult for us to look inward. It's difficult for us to pause long enough to go on this inward journey. Um, sooner or later, um, we realize that the external things of this world um, don't really satisfy the deep restlessness of our souls. Um, and so we fall asleep to ourselves. Um, St. Augustine said, man wishes to be happy even when he lives as to make happiness impossible. So our lives are in a sense structured in such a way as to make true inner happiness impossible, but we're still seeking happiness. We're still seeking joy. And so in a sense, we kind of just give up on ourselves. We give up on that inward pursuit. We give up on knowing ourselves, on knowing uh, those deeper inner truths. We just give up on it and we just sort of settle for what's in front of us right now, attaining that, achieving that, um, and it's sad. So the world is full of books, um, courses, programs, 
trainings to help you be a better you, to improve yourself, self-help. How much help is self-help? <laughs> well, no doubt it helps. I mean, all of us would benefit from reading a uh, John Maxwell book, and I've got a shelf full of them, you know, on bringing out the best in you and being the best leader you can be and developing yourself and others and setting goals and working hard and attaining high and networking and focusing on others and influencing people. I mean, all of that stuff is very helpful at getting up the ladder faster. Um, but most of the self-help literature out there that we might order, read, and really benefit from doesn't necessarily address the deeper longings of the soul because it's not intended to. It's not intended to deal with the spiritual questions that you and I wrestle with. It's intended to, oh, you need to have a hunger to succeed. And then won't you be happier if you had all of this? Won't you be happier if you could attain all of this? Well, let me show you how I did it. Let me tell you how you can get on the fast track to attaining, achieving, winning, getting all these things that you think are going to make you happy. But then we all know plenty of people that have all of that and they're miserable and they make others around them miserable. So personal transformation. Um, these books describe the person we'd like to be, the ideal standard, and we go, okay, I need to really buckle down and work hard and say no to myself and, and do these things. And then if I just maintain all of these practices, and we even do it in our spiritual life, if I just maintain all of these disciplines, these spiritual disciplines and all these practices, put all of these things into practice in my daily life, then, then, I'll be able to rest. Then I'll be able to rest. And I hear, you know, Jesus say, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. No, no, it doesn't work that way. I have to attain all of this and if I could achieve all of that and if I could get all of these things, then, only then would I be able to rest. Resting isn't something I could do now. Pausing isn't something I could do now. Not until I get that boat. Not until I get that motorcycle not until i get that promotion not until i get the love or the affection or the attention or the applause it never ends so if i could just put all of these principles that i learn in my self-help books into practice into my daily life and just be more disciplined and force myself force myself like even saying it just sounds so against uh, what I think spirituality really is. Um, so we easily become disappointed. Because why? We discipline ourselves for a few days or a few weeks. We see some progress. But then what happens? Uh, we lose interest. We lose focus. We lose determination. Because it doesn't really resonate with the core or the center of who we really are. Um, we become frustrated. We become hopeless. We see other people passing us. We see people thwarting our goals and slowing us down and stopping us. Or worse yet, we get the very thing we want and then realize we're still not happy. I mean, that's kind of the worst. 
I mean, it's bad enough when you want something and you think, if I could just get that, if I could just get that, if I could just get that. You get it and you go, oh. And then what? And then you realize that really didn't satisfy. I mean, that's kind of the real wake up, you know, is that the very things we want, we don't really want. When we get them, we no longer really want them. So why did we ever want them? So we easily become disappointed. We easily become frustrated. We easily become hopeless. And we give up on ourselves. And what do we do? Then we return back to the familiar patterns of our life. We return back to the distractions. And we try to forget the whole matter. You know what? Just go do your job. Just, you know, love your family. Take a walk eat the food in front of you, and quit thinking about these things. Just let it go. I think self-help is helpful. The books are helpful. The information's helpful. It's just that it's kind of incomplete. It's not that it's not helpful. It's just it's incomplete. It doesn't really answer the deeper fundamental questions that we wrestle with as persons. Without identifying the specific core motivations or issues at our heart uh, that are causing much of the problems that we're having, then really no solutions are, are likely. Um, no matter how much effort we put into life transformation, if we don't get to the core problems and the core issues that are a part of our personality, then it's very unlikely that we'll ever really, really see any long-term transformation in our lives. To be effective, any approach that we pursue has to take into account that all of us are different. That what is helpful to your, you and your personality may be toxic information or a toxic plan for my personality. What Maybe good advice for you could be dangerous advice for someone else. Um, and most self-help books don't take any of that into consideration. That we're all unique people. That we're all unique and different. And so what may be good advice for some could be exactly the wrong advice. Yeah, you might actually climb the ladder faster and attain more but never really stop to address the things that your personality really should address. And so any system that we would look to to improve ourselves needs to take into consideration your starting point. You know, it's like you open a self-help book and it says, oh, to really have a great vacation, you need to drive west. Go west. West is the best. And, and that makes a lot of sense if you live in Chicago and you go down Route 66, you know, or if you live in Manhattan or you live in Miami, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Go west. Oh, what a beautiful trip we went on. See, 
The person writing the self-help book uses themselves, and they can't help but do this. They use themselves as their starting point. And so since I left my house, you know, in Virginia, and I drove west, and I had just the most beautiful vacation, it was a wonderful trip, you should do that too. But what if, for example, your starting point is California? Then, I mean, you might have a couple of miles you could go west, or Washington State, or British Columbia. What, where, what kind of vacation would you have if you went out of your house and drove west? You see, it doesn't take into consideration your starting point. It doesn't take into consideration where you're at on the map. It just says, you should be like me. I accomplished all of this wonderful stuff, and now I have all of these wonderful options in life, and you could do it too if you just had the same personality I have. But we don't. We don't have the same personalities as each other. We don't have the same starting places on the map. So what may be good advice for some could be not so great advice for others. We need to know where we're at on the map. We need to be able to identify our starting point, our core issues in life. Our personality type is the, the most important characteristic to identifying ourselves. Now, that's let's say that without regard to our faith, because I think, in my opinion, your what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. But let's not that notwithstanding, let's put that aside. Okay, in terms of living your life and and moving forward in life, knowing your personality type is central to developing and 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 becoming and understanding what life is all about and what your strengths and weaknesses are and how to mediate against those weaknesses and to be to become all that you were designed to be i think your personality type is more important than your age it's more important than your gender it's more important than your race it's more important than your education level your personality type affects everything, every decision you make, the way you think. It's the filter by which you see the world around you. You're looking, think of yourself as living in a house and looking out the windows. You see the world through those windows and it affects the way you see the world. The filter that you use, your personality type filters, it's like the glasses that you look through to see the entire world. And so it affects how you think, it affects what you think about, it affects the decisions you make, it affects whether you're happy when it's your birthday or whether you're sad if it's your birthday, it's whether you're happy if family comes to visit or whether you're frustrated with fam family comes to visit. It affects everything and all of the decisions you make are affected in part by your personality type. It's the crucial factor uh, about you. It's a self-protective filter. I say it like this, your personality type is a self-protective way of defending yourself 
in this broken and fallen world. It is a broken personality type for broken people in a broken world. Think of it like this. You've got to get from one side of, of the river to the other. Your personality provides the boat for you to make this journey from one bank to the other bank. And you have two wings, which that's a whole nother video series, right? Um, which are kind of like your pontoons to stabilize that boat so that you can make it across from one side to the other. The main filter by which you understand, express yourself, defend yourself, um, deal with your past and prepare for your future, it all comes through this filter of your personality type. And I think the Enneagram helps us start to become honest with ourselves about what our real shortcomings are, what our real struggles are. And it's painful. When you sit down, if, if you've been with the Enneagram at any time at all, more than a, a week, you know, more than a month, it's no doubt be started to become painful as you start to wrestle with the real dragon that you're facing in life, whether it's like me, gluttony, or whether it's pride or, or anger or fear or sloth. When you start to really see how much of your life is affected by that dragon, um, it can be very painful. It's like looking in a mirror. It's finding yourself on the map. And when you locate yourself and when you see yourself, it, it, the Enneagram helps you put into words things that you've always known about yourself, but you didn't really formulate uh, into statements. Now you're sort of able to formulate into statements, this is my problem. You know, this is what I continue to struggle with. Yeah, it, there's many heads to this dragon, and it comes at me in different ways, but the dragon is the passion or the sin of each type. And you start to see it everywhere, how much it affects the way you think, what do your priorities are, what your shortcomings in life are. So one of the things the Enneagram shows us too is that yes, we do have a personality. Each of us have a personality, but we are not our personality. We are not limited to the impulses and shortcomings of that personality. You could say it this way. We have a personality. We are not a personality. It is the boat that we are in that helps us get from one side, one dangerous side to the other. Helps us get through this troubled life. Helps us get through this wilderness. It is not us. It is the operating system that, for whatever reasons, we are using. Or you could say it like this. We find out that we are a computer. All this time we've thought we were the software we're running. But we're not the software. We're the computer. And we have options. Once we realize that we're not the software, we can then catch sometimes when the software is glitching and override, in a sense, those glitches to minimize the destructiveness that that personality might at times cause us. Our personality, 70% of the time, is working for us, but there's always some percent in which our personality, the same impulses that bail us out in trouble, often cause us trouble and can limit, can limit how our lives are being lived. Those very same impulses and compulsions that open up opportunities and open doors for us can close doors for us 
if we're not aware. And so we want to become more aware of what our operating system, what our personality is impulse to do, and then realize that we have choices. We don't always have to follow those impulses. The impulse can come into our mind and we can decide, is this really, is this really uh, the, what I should do? Or is this just what my personality is telling me I should do? or telling me how I should feel about this situation. Am I just a six being a six right now? Am I just a four being a four? Maybe the solution to this problem is there really isn't a problem, and maybe it's just my personality impulsing based on the information around me. And perhaps whatever is frustrating me really doesn't need to frustrate me. Maybe I could just be present to life and return to life. This is the kinds of things the Enneagram helps us with. If we will pause, if we will slow down and look uh, more inward at life. A lot of people won't. A lot of people won't do that. So we want to stop identifying so strongly with our personality type. Once we figure out what our type is and we learn about the strengths, the weaknesses, the impulses, the, the challenges and all that, we want to lessen the grip the personality has on us, relax that grip a little bit more so that we're not so driven by the impulses that we're feeling in that moment. Let that personality kind of relax a little bit and let the real person inside begin to emerge, begin to bloom. Something wonderful happens when we relax the personality's grip on us. We emerge from it to the ever slightest degree. We start to get a break from the way my personality wants to think to more options and more choices in life. So we start to ask ourselves, if I do what I'm impulsed to do right now, will that really bring about the best life that I want to live? Will that really help the way I'm interacting with people around me? Will I be uh, easier to love and, and easier to, to interact with if I follow what my personality is telling me I must do right now, perhaps there may be a different road that I could, could take. We start to see those options when the personality begins to relax and we no longer identify so strongly with our type. The Enneagram doesn't cause us to shed or lose our personality, it just makes it a little more transparent. We start to wake up that, oh, I'm looking out the windows of type seven. So everything I see is affected by that filter. Like I've put on the seven glasses at some point in my toddlerhood or childhood or whatever, I put on the seven glasses and it affects the way I'm seeing the world. Oh. Okay, so the reason my wife or my kids might misunderstand me is because they're not wearing the same glasses I'm wearing. They're not looking through the same windows. They don't live on the same address on the same map that I, I live on. So no wonder that sometimes we're going to get sideways with each other because they don't see the world in the same way. And even, honestly, even... If I were to speak with another, if I were to live with all sevens, 
even though we might all wear the same glasses, we're not going to agree with each other and not going to share all this because not only that, not only do we not share the same personality, but we've been raised differently. We've been uh, trained differently. We have different value systems, different moral structures, different foundations. And so even if we were to live with everybody of our own type, there's no guarantees that we're all going to see the world in exactly the same way. Realizing that you've been seeing the world through a certain set of glasses becomes very helpful because now you realize, you know, I could take the glasses off a little bit and maybe have some understanding that you're looking at the world through a different set of glasses. Now I can be more sympathetic, you see? I can be much more sympathetic because I can, I can, I can say, oh, it must be difficult to see the world in the way you see the world. It must be difficult to see the world through those sets of glasses. Imagine like every set of glasses filters out certain colors. So our world seems real to us. The values that we have, the impulses that we have, the drives that we have seem very real to us, but they don't always make sense to the person next to us because they see the world through a different set of glasses. And once we become aware of that, it affects the way we interact with ourselves and with other people. And we start, our, our view of the world gets a little bit broader. Our view of ourselves gets a little bit broader. Our view of others becomes a little more compassionate. We become more compassionate with others and more compassionate with ourselves. So the Enneagram helps make our personality more transparent. We're able to see a little bit more clearly through it. Minimizing its control over us so that it doesn't limit us as, as to the same degree. We don't lose our identity. Uh, you might say that uh, we find our true identity not in our personality type, but in the person behind. Here's the personality type we start to see there's a person behind this personality type. Wow, that's a lot to think about. Um, I hope that this um, discussion has been helpful. Uh, it doesn't answer all the questions, but maybe it raises some questions for you to think about, raises some questions for you to consider. I hope that you will not give up on yourself, not give up on going deeper, on searching out these answers and these questions, um, discovering more about yourself, becoming more compassionate with yourself and others. I hope you will continue on in this journey, watching more videos, reading more books, getting into discussion with people. I hope that you can find a small group of people that, that are learning about the Enneagram so that you can discuss with them how you're growing. You can, you can have a small group that you can interact with. And, and, you know, even just to say things like, you know, I was watching a TV show the other day. Is that character a five? Is that character a four? Is that the way? Even those little simple discussions about characters can be a helpful, a helpful learning uh, tool for us. I hope you have that group of people in your life. If you don't, you know, you can always jump on Facebook 
Um, there's a group for every type on Facebook, and some of those discussions might prove very helpful as you see other people wrestling with the same challenges that you wrestle with, trying to get along with others. Um, this is what life is all about. I thank you for joining me for this video, and as I say at the end of most, if not all of these videos, be present to life. Present to life is remembering that, you know, there's a world going on around you. There's a lot to worry about if you wanted to. There's a lot to be angry about if you wanted to. There's a lot to be ashamed of if you wanted to be. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the way we wish life was that we kind of miss, we miss being present to the way life really is. I don't want you to miss life. Seeking to attain, seeking to defend, seeking to achieve. Don't miss what is right in front of you. Um, be present. Show up. You know, every type has kind of their show up list. You know, when everything's organized and everything's right and everything's the way it should be, then I'll show up. When I'm loved the way I should be loved and when I'm appreciated and cared for like I should be, then I'll show up. You know, in every type, you can go all the way around. That was one and two. You can go all the way around and I'll show up when everything is the way it ought to be. Where do you get this idea of the way things ought to be? Uh, there is the way things are. And you can either engage and be present to that, or you can wait until things are as they ought to be. Perhaps things are as they ought to be. See you guys next time. Thanks.